This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. morning all or good afternoon if you've tuned in a little bit late and shame on you if you have get your hat together for tomorrow for christ's sake no excuses otherwise you're straight on the naughty list and unless you like finding a great big steaming reindeer in a sock under your tree on christmas morning you'll want to avoid that let me tell you now whilst you think on that Here's the next instalment of the Ho 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 Homesdale Radio Podvent Calendar. Tally Ho! Okay, and behind the door today we have. It's Mr. Jim Cannon. Hi, Jim. Hi, how are you? Fantastic, thanks very much. And obviously, um, real privilege to have you on the show. Palace's all-time record appearance holder, 660 games. That's never going to get beaten in this modern age, is it? Uh, well, I wouldn't have thought so, although Wilfred Saha has gone doing quite well. So, uh, yeah, no, nah, <laughs> but uh, seriousness, I don't think Hemdy, nobody hangs about these days at clubs for too long. I suppose there's too much money nowadays, so... Absolutely right. Do you look at that uh, <laughs> that money situation with a little bit of envy? Uh, no, nah, not really. It's like, I mean, the club's brought it on themselves. Uh, I mean, I remember, people have said this many times to me, but I mean, I remember signing two and three-year contracts with two two-year options tied on you, and the club didn't have to give you one penny extra if they took up the option. The option. So I think it's, it's swung around, obviously, because of the Bosman ruling. Uh, and clubs now have, have had to... Well, it's just the way it is. The players and the agents seem to have more power now. Uh, yeah. Probably probably the money is like rather exuberant when you think of the ordinary, everyday fan. But, I mean, that's just the way it is with Sky, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely right. And, you, you know, again, you picked out perfectly. There is a real shift to, to player power and agent power, which I think, you know, as, as supporters, we look on that and we think it's a shame as well because, you know, you picked out Wilf there. It's lovely to see a player who's, you know, who's, who's sort of come through the youth ranks and is an absolute superstar and still at Palace. But however long that might be, I'm not too sure. But uh, 
You yourself um, were brought over into the youth system by uh, by Bert Head, I believe. Uh, how did all that come about? What was it like as a, as a young player? Suddenly, you know, obviously born in <laughs> born in Glasgow and coming down to Palace. Uh, yeah, well, I suppose it was a bit of a culture shock. I think uh, I think anybody at my age in Glasgow and in them days were quite quite happy to get out of Glasgow. It was uh, <laughs> it was a quite quite rough in in that day. But I, I mean, I was fortunate enough. I played uh, in an under sort of sixteen amateur league. It was like a Scottish amateur league, and it was literally teams from all over the the, the, the Scotland. And we, my our team was actually called Glasgow Amateurs. And I had players like Kenny Burns, Frank Gray playing in that team. You know, we were all mates at, at that age. And uh, so there were scouts there, sort of more or less every game. And uh, I was just lucky. I, I'd actually gone down to Manchester City about two or three months just before. Uh, and then when I come back, Crystal Palace invited me down and, and then they asked me to sign on. So that, that's how it all started. Well, and obviously you, you wouldn't ever have imagined that you'd effectively play out an entire career there in the way that you did. Um, but, but did you have opportunities to leave? What, what kept you at Palace so long? Uh, well, in the, uh, on the early days, I mean, obviously coming through as a, as a sort of teenager, you you just sort of happy to try and make your mark. I was fortunate enough to make my debut when Malcolm Allison first came. Uh, and then we had a couple of years where we actually ended up back down and that was obviously old first division ended up back down in the old third division so it was a case of just myself just learning my trade and just sort of knuckling down and trying to get myself established in the first team and then obviously Terry Venables come along uh, and things started sort of looking up and at that time to be fair nobody wanted to leave Palace it was a we were, uh, I mean, we had that silly tag team of the 80s, but yeah. it was an exceptionally good young side. And we just all thought, oh, this is, you know, coming out of the third and out of the second. You, you thought, oh, this is good. We, 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 I could stay here for, for a long time. And then it all fell about a little bit when Venner's left and things, I mean, football in the early 80s, it was, it was quite hard work. You know, the fans and the sort of the aggro and the terraces, the fights and everything. So it wasn't, it wasn't a great place to be at the time. But by then, my family was settled. My kids were settled at school and I was quite happy to, I mean, I had one or two people said about different clubs, but I was quite happy to just sort of try and help and get Palace back into the, the old first division. So, um, and that's probably why I stayed. I think um, jump, jumping back a little bit, you know, people are always interested to know the um, where you know other players' heroes are. Who was your your footballing hero growing up? Well, I always liked uh, Roy, my, the one. I mean, obviously people at Bobby Moore, but Roy McFarland, who was at Derby at the time, yeah. it was it was somebody that I looked up to purely because I always thought that that was the type of player I was. He was sort of he was good good on the ball he was sort of like he could pass it and also I mean and then like unlike today in them days people seem to take great sort of like love to defend whereas I, I, <laughs> I don't think it's the same art today when you see people sort of grabbing and pulling one another in the box to sort of like stop somebody getting a run you think in my day well we just sort of stood beside him and if he made a move we went with him and attacked the ball but uh, so he was a player that I obviously so I, I looked up to, and I was 
fortunate enough to meet him quite a few times. Met him on holiday a few times when the clubs, when he was he, he was more or less finished. I think he was managing, and uh, yeah, it was it was quite it was quite nice. But yeah, he was a he was somebody I always thought I'll I'll try and sort of fashion myself on. So. You, you, you talk about the the art of defending him when you're referring to Turmoil Farland. I'm just get you a little bit more on that, really. So obviously, as you, as you say, the modern era, there's a lot of shirt pulling and all that kind of stuff. It's more like a almost like a dark art. But there's a few players who do occasionally. You can tell that they love defending, and Nathaniel Klein was one of those that I saw come through our youth system. But a lot of comparisons yeah. to, to his ability and someone like Kenny Sansom. I'm interested in your views on Kenny, having you know seen him come through. Uh, well, Kenny. I mean, I still obviously work with Kenny. We we do the corporate match day stuff at Palace and on home games, and like he's. And I'm always saying, I, I look at I look at people like Kyle Walker, that's been sold from Spurs to Manchester City for fifty million pounds, and I look at a defend a guy that is not a very good defender. Now he's quick and he gets forward. I mean, if Kenny Sampson was playing today, he, he wouldn't get change out of 80 million for him. He was that good. I mean, he was brilliant going forward. He was a great defender. And he, he and I always used to, I always remember centre forwards used to sort of like when we're balls that came into the box and you could hear one of them say, oh, I'll put one to the back post to, to, to out jump the little guy like Kenny. And I'd just look at him and say, yeah, good luck, mate. Like, because <laughs> Kenny never get beat. He was so good in the air. So, I mean, he's five foot nothing, but he could jump 10 feet. And uh, I'd, I, he was the best left back uh, I've ever... I think he's the best left back that England ever produced. Unfortunately, it was a few years ago and these sort of people don't remember him. And like, But yeah, he was way up there. He was, he was world class, Kenny Sampson. Uh, it was yeah obviously a lot of people remember him so fondly from his time at Palace and I know he's still got a lot of friends at Arsenal as well so yeah t- terrific player but back, back to yourself one of the, the things that people talk about the most when we mentioned Jim Cannon is your goal against Ipswich in 1979 being a bit of a youngster I've not seen that myself but um, <laughs> I've, I've heard it's an, it was an absolute screaming volley how, did, how do you remember it? Uh, yeah I mean like people somebody actually bumped into me at the club the other day and the first thing they said to me I remember your goal against Ipswich and uh, yeah it was I mean obviously the game was was an important game because it meant we went top of the old first division and we were playing against like Ipswich Town who were one of the top teams they just sort of won the Fair Cities Cup the old Fair Cities Cup they'd finished I think second or third in the league they'd all Paul Mariner you know, John Watt, people that were, you know, they'd arraigned Brazil, they'd a load of sort of England, Scottish internationals there. So it was, it was quite a big game for us. And uh, we just, we played so well. And my goal, it was a corner today. And we won it. I think Ben Soler knocked it out to Nicky Flanagan, who was out on the left. And I just, doing what I used to do quite a lot in them days, saw an opening and just sprinted forward and, I think Flanagan sort of just crossed it just inside their half, the long angle ball, and I was fortunate enough to just meet it just outside the 18 yard box and just side foot volleyed over the top. I think it was Cooper, Paul Cooper and goal. Uh, it was just a shame there's no cameras there to watch it. <laughs> Absolutely right. I've been scouring the internet for something, but, but, but <laughs> no, no, no luck. I've done that. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, nothing <laughs> at all. 
gutted. <laughs> anyway, uh, one other one other topic I wanted to pick up on, which I, I found this really interesting, because we were talking to uh, Richard Shaw a few weeks back, and he was talking about his um, early early period at the club where he was. Um, you know, he was given a real hard time by the, and he, you know, he named the likes of Mark Bright, Ian Wright, and the more established players there. And funny enough, it was around the same time that Ian Wright's sort of comments came out in a paper about the hard time that he was given by the likes of yourself and the established players at the club. Um, but all yeah. talk about it in, in a way that it was the making of them. But did you see it that way? Do you see that is, you know, it's kind of the, the role, maybe not today, but you probably wouldn't get away with, with it today with, you know, there's a bit of sensitivity around that. But back then, you know, treating people like, you know, you just understanding the difference between youth football and what's a man's game and what's, you know, what's well, important. I, yeah. I, I mean, I understand. I can understand what they're saying, but I mean, if, if obviously he's involved in football. I mean, Richard, I know Richard well, he's involved in football now. So, how he sees things uh, going on is obviously totally different from when we were playing. But, I mean, the bottom line was, as soon as like a 17-year or an 18-year-old came into the first team, he was if he didn't perform, he was given the same amount of stick as, you know, like, and, and they had to grow up really quick. Yeah. And, and that's how it was in them days. And we've had, I mean, you ask any ex-pro footballer from 20, 30 years ago, you were always in dust ups and fights and training, but that's it was it was just the, the competitive spirit. It's like it was obviously it's totally well, I dare say they're still with dust ups. And I'd like Ian Wright says I was a bully. I whacked him a couple of times in training <laughs> games, like and like I'm I'm not gonna say I'm sorry for that. It just things that happened and if if he was sort of trying to take your piss out of people and I felt he was overstepping the mark, then I'd let him know. And uh but all the players were the same. I mean, all all the don't have to be older players, but they all sort of like bullied people. But you, you bullied people in a way that you thought would help them and make them sort of like grow up. And I mean, because it's it's it doesn't matter what age you are. Like as soon as you step over that threshold, it is a man's game, and you've you, there's people out there that are going to think, well, especially in our day, yeah, I'll break his leg if he sort of tries to go past me. Uh, yeah. Not that anybody done that on purpose, but in them days you could tackle. Nowadays, nowadays it doesn't matter because you're not allowed to tackle anymore. So it's, it's these players that they've, they've got it a lot, not a lot easier, but it's, it allows them to play a little bit more than probably players nowadays. I mean, we just there was tackles from behind was a normal practice. Yeah. I mean, to, today you can't do it. But yeah, I mean, it's a different game now, but. Yeah, a, a lot of players when they first came into the team, they were treated. I mean, you don't you always try to help them, but at the same time, if they weren't doing what they should do, then they they would have been told, "Don't worry about that." Absolutely right. And then you know, as Richard observed with us, you know, all of the players that were arguably given a hard time in in his spell, you can look at them now, and the majority of them are either very well regarded coaches or, or managers. You know, people yeah, like South, yeah. Southgate, the England manager, obviously. You know, yeah, uh, yeah we well, can't get any higher, can you? Well, exactly. Yeah. So obviously, it doesn't do people too much harm, does it? But uh, no, it's, it's good to get, get your views on that. Thanks, Jim. Uh, what do you make of, of Palace so far this season? Obviously, really tough start and a, and a really early managerial change. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there was a lot of talk about De Boer, whether he was right or wrong. Um, four games, whether that was too too soon. Uh, but obviously, there was things, I think there was 
lots of things behind the scenes that we didn't see uh, and they decided that it weren't right but and then Roy came in but I mean to not pick up anything after eight games is like you think oh this is ridiculous but to be fair the, the, the way I mean the, the, the game against Watford the other night I mean we were totally out of it it was the worst I'd seen us play and three minutes to the end you think well that's it we're, we're, really, we're really struggling here but then you just get that little bit of luck and you saw obviously the player getting sent off and you score two goals and it, it just galvanises people I mean in the two, two or three games stop we didn't play that well but we, we scored in the last minute should have uh, had the three points against Bournemouth so only for Mr Binteki's sort of intervention but <laughs> it, I think in general we've looked since Roy's gradually got it together and we actually look quite a good side at the moment and obviously the game Saturday was phenomenal yeah I mean I asked it was well worth the trip up there I have to say it was uh, you know great football dominant performance and yeah as you say when we when we performed that way against Watford the very next game play one of our best games of the season it just shows you how much confidence is a, is a factor in what you do well, I think Roy, I mean, to be fair to Roy, I, I listen to him talk and he's, he's, he's simplicity to the point. He's, he never over-elaborates. He's very direct. He just, and he, I would imagine them players just think, oh, this is just so simple what he's doing and telling us because when he talks to the press, he doesn't, you hear some of these managers in large on things, you think, what are they talking about? But Roy's just so sort of like, down the earth, he knows what he wants and he's got the players doing exactly obviously what he wants and uh, they're starting to, I mean we're not out of trouble, I mean but then I don't think any team from 10 from the league down is out of trouble but just getting two or three wins under your belt, I mean we've got a great chance now Swansea away I mean, if you can get them sort of three wins on the trot, it don't have to make a difference to your season and it oh. just gives everybody total confidence you think obviously if we were to were to beat Swansea that'd be twenty points and effectively it's halfway through the season and you've done half the job uh, to to your magic forty points and, and to get there from from losing in your opening sort of seven games without scoring is is hilarious really but, but well, uh, it is, isn't it yeah and, and I've said like when I've, I'm in Spironi's when I do my little bit on the mic you know I've said a few times we need to get we really need to have twenty points at halfway line to think feel sort of confident and like at one point I thought oh we, we'd be lucky to get about 12 points but <laughs> I mean it's it just but that's this league it changes so quick I mean Leicester probably thinking getting into this game Palace second bottom or third bottom like they've just won four in the trot so you only need to sort of like just let go a little bit and sort of drop your standards and bang you sort of like you get hammered so I think Roy's got, got them to a situation now where they, even with a lot of changes on Saturday, we still look good, we're passing the ball well, we're defending well. So, And, and that's like a few games ago, you'd probably said if, if the better players were out, we'd really struggle. But, so so that's, that's great. I think that's good for Roy as well because you must be thinking, oh, well, it ain't too bad if I've got one or two out. I've still got these players and they're doing a job. So... And I think that's important when it comes to like, squad players at this at this level, anyway. Definitely. And um, you touched on it a bit actually, but my mate Navu put us in contact said I've, I've got to ask you your forthright opinion on the Benteke penalty incident. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was I was a bit disappointed 
Uh, I, I think uh, Luca should have just shoved him out of the way and, and just said, no, go away. Uh, but at the same time, maybe Scott Dan, because I could see the reaction from the players. And the first thing when the penalty, we got the penalty, and I see Luca walking, to, uh, see Benteke walking to it, I'm screaming out, don't let him touch the ball, don't let him touch it. But he obviously had said something to Luca, but why would. I mean, in all fairness, if some guy is smacking balls into the back of the net from penalties on a regular basis, why would somebody that's just crap at taking penalties, in my opinion, <laughs> look, why would you let him do that? So I don't know why Scott Dan done it. I can understand yeah. Luca stepping away because if they have a little sort of set to where he's trying to grab the ball, then all it does is put more pressure under Luca because he's thinking, yeah. oh, I've just taken it back off him. So... I think he probably done the best thing, just walk away. But Scott Dan should have quietly gone up there, picked the ball up, handed it to Luca, and said, "Take the penalty, mate." Yeah. But it didn't happen. And uh, but to fair to Benteke, apparently he's apologised to the players. He should have apologised to twenty-five thousand fans as well. Yeah. So, but uh, I was glad to see him get back on the score sheet. He's obviously lacking a bit. Well, when you listen to him talking after the goal, you didn't think he's lacking confidence, but. I think it was one or two chances that come to him and he sort of miskicked. So he's, he's obviously still not 100% uh, with Compton's and, and he's been out for quite a long while as well. Yeah. So I suppose you've got to take that into consideration. And he's just trying to score a goal, maybe. just to. But maybe he should have been best if we were 3-0 up to take the penalty. Not yeah. to all we're second to go. <laughs> I think yeah, I think most people came to that conclusion. It's fine if we we're actually winning the game, but yeah. oh, it was infuriating. But obviously, everyone's got had that chance to move on now, not just because time has passed, but because he got that kind of you know redemptive header up at up at Leicester to open the scoring. And and, and obviously, it was you know as you said as you say, he missed a few chances, but actually played pretty well as well as he has done for the last few games. So good to see. Him yeah, because he played he played quite well. I mean, I've, I'm his biggest critic because I don't think he does any running, but I watched him closely on Tuesday to see his reaction after Saturday and he actually tried to make because I always feel he could work the channels a bit more but he never seems to want to move he's always got his hand in the air and just throw it up to me but I, I'd look, I watched him the other night and he looked as if he was trying to work the channels but obviously he don't want to run offside but every time he was pointing but looking at the full back who just had to think it over the, into, the, into the space they never even looked at him so I thought oh well, he's, at least he's trying to make them runs because you've got to try and clear a bit of space. And if 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 you're only going to come to the ball, a defender's job's easy. But if you want to try and get in behind, and then you want to come for the ball, the defender's got to think, oh, is he going to go that way or is he coming back that way? But if he never makes that run, if he never tries and turns defenders back to facing their own goal, which they don't like, then you make the defender's job easy. He's only got to think of one thing. You've got to, it's going to be knocked into your feet, and I've just got to challenge him there. So, but I thought he tried the other day, and people sort of seem to ignore him a little bit. So <coughs> maybe he's heard my comments. And he's, <laughs> I'm sure the I'm sure the manager's been on to him about sort of making them runs. But I do. Yeah, you're right. He's he's he played. He didn't play bad. I mean, he, he didn't even play that bad against uh, Bournemouth. But uh, obviously. The penalty changed everybody's perception of them, but it was just nice to see him get back on the score sheet on uh, Saturday. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Absolutely right. And uh, let's let's turn things a little Christmassy now. Uh, although I haven't really given you too much warning on this. I wonder if you've got any kind of particular sort of highlights or memories of the Christmas season as a as a player. Either bad ones um, or good ones. No, well, to t- tell you the truth, the only thing I remember at Christmas is having to go in on a Christmas morning and my kids morning morning at me because they couldn't open the presents because we always train Christmas morning and we were always away at New Year's Eve uh, and that's always my thoughts. Games, I, I mean, the games were great because it's obviously festive time, but only if you were, only if you won the game. But yeah, no, but actual games, I'd be struggling to. I remember Brighton. I think it was Brighton away once. Uh, Christmas Christmas Day game or day Boxing must have been Boxing Day game. Yeah. But yeah, no. My my big memories are my kids screaming at me because I was going out to work <laughs> and they had to wait to open the presents. But I suppose that's normal for most pro players. It is absolutely. We've, we've talked to, to many players about that, and obviously it has changed over the years. There's, you know, but the one thing that's consistent is there's an awful lot of games in that Christmas period, and it can almost define a season as well. Oh, certainly can. Yeah, we got two or three, four games, and, and it's always over a, over a short period. So it's, uh, and that's now where sort of squads will come in, and that's probably why. I think maybe seeing some of the fringe players coming in uh, and doing good jobs just gives you a little bit more confidence because we've got quite a difficult sort of Christmas period, I suppose, with Arsenal and Manchester City. So could have yeah. <laughs> stick to too hard a game. So. Yeah, fingers crossed we get something out of those. Um, you've just, well, yeah, you've just we, horrified me. Three, I've forgotten about it. <laughs> yeah, well, if we get three points against uh, Swansea and then a point against Arsenal even though our last real great performance at home was Arsenal sort of, when we beat them, what, two, was it 2-0 or 3-0? 3-0, Last yeah. year. Well, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think if we beat Swansea, then, I mean, you're not, nobody's going to expect you to do anything against Manchester City. So, it'd be nice to get four points before we play Manchester City. So, and then I'll say, well, that's just an away game. We're going to lose it anyway. But, yeah, so but it'd be nice to see them because <laughs> they look as if they're uh, a bit uh, a bit hot at the moment. But um, yes, so it'll be, it'll, it'll be it'll be nice it'll be nice to get a couple of games like that over the Christmas period. I mean, they're great great teams, so it'll be interesting. 
Yeah, certainly will. And one last Christmassy based question from me before I ask you one other question and let you go. <laughs> this is um, <laughs> yeah, two. I've, I have, yeah, I have sneaky <laughs> added two questions. <laughs> so just in general, what, you know, obviously now, now you're not a player, what's a typical Christmas day like for you now? Uh, my Christmas day, well, th- this Christmas, all the, the family are down with us. So it's my son and his partner, my daughter and her partner and four, four grandchildren, very boisterous from seven years to sort of 18 months. So it'll be, uh, it'll be hectic. It'll be hectic. <laughs> but it's been very enjoyable. Nah, that's good to hear. Um, I do have to ask you, I forgot to ask it earlier. Um, you obviously you were there for when uh, when Stevie Coppel came in as as manager uh, for yeah. the first time. What did you make of that as an appointment at the time? You know, irrespective of how things went on. Um, well, obviously he he just sort of finished playing. He sort of packed in at United through injury, so it was it was a bit of a gamble, I suppose, from Ron Nodes. But he he he'd also brought in. I don't know if this was Ron Nodes or because Ian had been there, but he brought in Ian Evans as like his coach, assistant manager. But uh, Steve, Steve was, he was good for this club. I mean, I, I got on really well with him. Uh, he's, but I used to always say to him after training sessions, well, you got to, you got to play Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> when we, well, when he, when we trained, it was embarrassing because the best player on the park was the manager. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone always said that from back then, but it was actually completely true, was it? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, without a doubt. Yeah, he was like, because he was like, I suppose when he came in, was he about twenty-eight or something like that? You know, so I would be thirty-one or something like that. But he was, he was sort of, he was just good. But he used to say, "Ah, oh, Jamie says I'd love to, but my knee will be sort of like four sizes bigger on a Monday, and I won't be able to walk for the rest of the week." But he was he was a, a good a good appointment by Ron Nodes and he, he had a lot of success. I was just surprised that he's still not. When you look at some of the managers, you just see me go on this little merry-go-round, get sacked, get a couple of million, then go on to the next club and get sacked six months later. So that that, that annoys me a little bit because there's a hell of a lot of good young managers that never get a chance. Um, but I, I'm surprised, Steve. I think he's out in India now with his yeah. uh, Indian Super League, but. I'm surprised he's not back in football, sort of certainly managing championship clubs, because he's he was very good at his job. He was uh, he was great at organising people and and getting players to play for him. So he he, he was he was good for Palace. It's just a shame that he's still not involved somewhere in the sort of English football. Completely agree. As long as it's not back at Brighton again, although you know. No, 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 yeah. not at Brighton. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Jim, just before you go, uh, a little message for the Palace fans for Christmas? Yeah, well, m- wish them all a Merry Christmas. Let's hope that we keep moving up the league uh, at the moment. It's all looking a lot better than it did a couple of months ago. And hopefully, getting into the new year, we can uh, we can keep firing up. But I've got to say, the fans are absolutely brilliant. And like, at the Watford game, after we scored the second goal, I've never heard the noise it was just phenomenal and it, it was it brought back memories sort of like you used to get hairs on the back of your sort of neck standing up when you were sort of when I used to run out in front of 35,000 and it was brilliant I thought it was great and especially see all the Watford fans turning around streaming out because they were giving us stick about 10 seconds before that so but yeah no so keep, keep the noise going fans it's brilliant 
Lovely. Jim, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I hope to do it again. That's all right, Chris. No problem, mate. Take care. All the best, mate. All right. Yeah, have a nice Christmas. And you. Take care. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Well, there you have it. What a treat. Now, if you want to make sure you go on my nice list this year, please share and like this podcast calendar to help us raise funds for the Palace for Life Foundation. Anyway, see you tomorrow and Merry Christmas. Right, I'm off for the sh- It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.